Good morning, welcoming all of you who are tuning online uh, via Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. Um, starting to finally see some things finally get distributed through all the different podcast sites. Spotify's up. Um, just a quick announcement. Uh, Sound Words, if you search it, you should be able to find it. Uh, you might have to go through some of the podcasts that are in there that might have things similar to it, but you'll just see the logo Sound Words. And all of these messages will be uploaded there uh, for those who like to tune in uh, podcast. It's just one different medium that we're trying to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Uh, this morning's message is titled, The God of Peace. And so um, we're going to be jumping in there, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Uh, should have stick with the announcements. We are meeting in Franklin, Tennessee. So if you are in the greater Nashville area, whether that be Murfreesboro, Smyrna, Spring Hill, Columbia, Lewisburg, uh, we meet Monday nights and we are looking to meet in a place right off 65 in the Cool Springs area, hopefully uh, by the beginning of the year. So uh, that will be on Sunday mornings where we'll gather at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. But in the meantime, uh, we'd love to connect with you if you would like to join us for our Monday night study. If that's something you're interested in, I encourage you, please feel free to reach out, whether it's uh, phone or email or just messaging through one of the platforms. Uh, so let's jump into today's message. Uh, the, the title of the today's message is called The God of Peace. And, you know, um, God's name has changed throughout time. Uh, through the scriptures. When we go and we look at the Old Testament, um, he was just God in the beginning. God. And um, when you finally get to Abram, uh, then he became the God of Abraham, and then he became the God of Isaac, and then he became the God of Jacob. And from Jacob, we got the 12 tribes of Israel. And so then he became the God of of Israel. And as you go back from the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of time, God's name changed over time. And it's interesting, you know, I was looking at the God of Israel, and there are over, I couldn't, there's over like 450 verses, I couldn't get through all of them. But I just looked at the name, the God of Israel, and how many times that name was mentioned throughout the Bible. I only got up to Chronicles, and it was about a hundred times, and I finally said, that's it, I'm going to have to take a pause. But what's interesting enough is that the God of Israel, that name that God carried, is not mentioned one time in Paul's epistles. The apostle of the Gentiles, the apostle that was given the dispensation of the grace of God, the revelation of the mystery of Christ, uh, the things that God is doing today, the doctrine for today. Not one time is the God of Israel mentioned. What I found was interesting was a new name title, the God of Peace. Six times the God of Peace is mentioned in Paul's epistles. One time it's mentioned in the book of Hebrews. It's mentioned the God of Peace in Romans chapter 15, verse 33. Romans chapter 16, verses 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Philippians 4, 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And Hebrews 13, 20. I encourage you to go and check out those verses in your own time. But 
I'm going to be looking at one of them right here in Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 4. Romans, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for, not, for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So we see a title, a name of God here, and it's labeled the God of peace. Notice it doesn't say the God of Israel. Why doesn't it say that? Well, because God is not the God of a nation today. Israel, as far as God's concerned, politically and spiritually, he's declared not my people. And God's people today are those that have received the gospel of Christ and put their faith in Christ dying for their sins on the cross, being buried and risen for their justification. They are now baptized into the body of Christ, and now God is dealing with individuals, those who have received and are being obedient to the gospel of Christ. So God is a God of peace today. He's not the God of a nation. He's a God of peace and, you know, that's important. I think there's a lot of confusion today about that. A lot of people want to take in this doctrine of covenant theology and saying that we've replaced Israel. No, we've not replaced Israel. We're part of what God is doing for His heavenly program to bring restoration to the heavens. And that's the manifold wisdom of God being revealed through the epistles of Paul's 13 epistles. And it's Christ as the head of the church, his body. We, the body of Christ, are members of his flesh and of his bones. So, the question that uh, I want to ask you is, is the God of peace with you? Have you ever wondered why God isn't raining down fire from heaven and just destroying people? Why isn't God wiping out the nations like he did when you read the Old Testament? Have you heard about the dispensation of the grace of God that was committed unto Paul? Have you heard of the gospel of grace that Paul said that he considered his life worth nothing unless he testified and finished that ministry given unto him? Testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. These are things that I want to ask you. And if you're lacking peace in your life, why is that? Noah Webster's Dictionary, 1828. It's basically the Bible of the English language, defines peace as this. Number one, in a general sense, it's a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, applicable to society, to individuals, or to the temper of the mind. Peace can also be defined as freedom from war with a foreign nation, public quiet, freedom from eternal uh, commotion of civil war, 
Freedom from private quarrels, suits, or disturbance. Freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like. Quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, quiet of conscience. Heavenly rest, the happiness of heaven. Harmony, concord, a state of reconciliation between parties at variance. This word is used in commanding silence or quiet as peace to this troubled soul. To be at peace, to be reconciled, to live in harmony, to make peace, to reconcile as parties at variance, to hold the peace, to be silent, to suppress one's thoughts, not to speak. You know, I can remember in my life uh, before I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I remember having the feelings of depression, the feelings of fear, the feelings of anxiety to the point where, you know, I wanted to take my own life. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I think that there are a lot of people out there today that are still dealing with that thing, dealing with these challenges, dealing with the fact that they don't have this word in their life, peace, peace. It's that feeling that passes all understanding. You can't explain it. It's just you're, you're still, your thoughts, your mind, it just stops racing and, and you're okay. You know, I, I remember when uh, Lauren was talking about when she was giving uh, birth to Grace and uh, this feeling of I could die right now. And she said, you know, I had this peace that overcame. I was completely okay. I was completely okay. I knew, I knew that I'm saved. I knew where I was going, that God has me no matter what. That's a peace that passes all understanding. When you're facing death and you're not afraid of it. Do you have peace in your life? Why not? You know, we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, talking about Paul. And what's the next word? Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know, God didn't create robots. God gave us this incredible thing called free will, meaning he gave us the ability to make a choice. Now, when you believe and you put your trust in what Christ did for you on the cross, dying for your, sin, your sins, shedding his blood, being buried and resurrected the third day, you're saved and sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You can't lose it. Now, when it comes to now how do you live your life, you have a choice. You can choose to continue to walk in the old man who was dead in trespasses and sins but made alive through Christ Jesus. Or you can choose to put on the new man and do the things that God instructs us through the Apostle Paul in his 13 epistles. Half of Paul's epistles are about what to believe. The other half is what you do with it. So you have a choice to get in the book, get in the Word, study the Word of God, 
to prove yourself unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, and then learning these things, receiving it, and then doing it. And if you do it, Paul says, the God of peace shall be with you. So, have you seen, heard, read about the things of what Paul talks about? Have you heard what Paul preached, the gospel of Christ? Have you heard it? Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 10. We'll jump in verse 13. Yeah, we'll start, uh, we'll start in verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now notice what verse 14 says. How then shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, the Lord, Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So Paul talks about how can people call on the Lord Jesus Christ if they never heard about him? How can people believe in him if they haven't heard of the things that, he's, that Christ did for you on the cross? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, here's the beauty. God sent us an apostle. Paul. His name was Saul. And his life was completely crazy before he, the Lord struck him with the grace of God. Because he was cut off from the promises that Peter and the twelve were preaching. Because he was the one that had blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And he had neither forgiveness in this world nor in the world to come. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, he is what he is. And God said, this is my chosen vessel. And God sent this man to preach the gospel of Christ to you and me here that the word of God is still working to believe in. And what is the gospel of Christ that Paul preached? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll start in verse 1. And Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Notice that you're saved by the gospel and not because of anything that you can do. Not by works, not by being a good person, not by confession, not by repenting and being water baptized, not by making Jesus the Lord of your life and dedicating your life to be a disciple of Jesus? No, it's by the gospel that you are saved. Let's keep reading. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Here's the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So, that's it. I just read it. 
And you might have said, oh yeah, I've heard this. I've heard this before. I know that. I've been raised in the church. Have you trusted in it? Do you really believe that Christ died for your sins on the cross? Do you really believe that God raised him from the dead the third day? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the only one that hath immortality. God raised him from the dead and made him both Lord and Christ. And you simply believing and trusting in that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 to read more about what Paul taught. Have you heard this? Have you received it? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. We just read that gospel of peace, the gospel of Christ. Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. In whom also that, after that, ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Have you heard of the grace of God? Meaning that you can't do anything to earn your salvation. All you simply can do is believe and trust and receive that free gift of what God is offering to you. So that's what we heard. We heard the gospel of Christ through Paul. The gospel of the grace of God. He's the only apostle that preached this message. Have you learned that you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves? It's the gift of God, not of works. Have you learned that? Or have you been taught by religion that, yeah, Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, but you got to do this. But you got to do that. And if you're not doing these things, guess what? God is withholding blessings from your life. Yes, Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. But if you're not tithing, God is withholding blessings from you. That's religion, folks. Remember, there is a preachers out there preaching another Jesus by another spirit and another gospel. And they appear to be ministers of righteousness. No marvel that Satan himself is transformed and masquerading as an angel of light today. You have to be in the scriptures. You have to study it. You have to receive it. You have to learn it and then do it. So have you done it? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ unto your own salvation? Now, there's a lot more things just simply from the gospel of Christ. Now there's this process of edification and being built up in the Word of God, believing it and doing the will of God from the heart. And there's a couple of verses that I kind of want to take a look at this morning, uh, and then we will wrap up. Let's first go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Philippians chapter 2, notice in verse 14. 
talking about the do part, right? Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So, this do part. Man, there is so much that Paul talks about doing in his epistles. And right now, we don't have the time to dive into it. And I'm thinking that I'm probably going to have to make this a series uh, because there's no way I'm going to be able to cover all the grounds. But the point is, doing all things without murmurings and disputings, meaning murmurings. You can go and we can look at the children of Israel, learn from them in the Old Testament. How they were murmuring. Let's let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll jump into verse 6. And now Paul is going to talk about in this, this, this passage, he's going to kind of look at Israel and learn from some of the mistakes that they made in the Old Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he should fall. So doing all things without murmurings and disputings. And when we're talking in the context in Philippians chapter 2, we're talking about working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. All the instructions that Paul gives us in how to live our life. And man, there's a ton in these 13 epistles of what we should be doing. Let's look at a couple more things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we were there. Notice in verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Pretty straightforward. Whether you're eating or drinking, doesn't matter whatever you're doing. Whether you're a husband or a wife or a child or a servant, doing it all to the glory of God. What does that mean? Husbands, loving your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. What does that mean? Christ loved us first, did he not? When you look at the marriage relationship, what does God do to compare him? He compares Christ 
as the husband, the church as the wife. So husbands, guess what? Husbands, love, are you loving your wives even as Christ loved the church? Meaning when you start getting into these fights and these bickerings, are you laying down your life? Whether you might be right or wrong, doesn't matter. Are you loving your wife first? Wives, are you submitting yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord? Meaning, guess what? Husbands are subject to Christ. And if they're being subject to Christ and submitting themselves to Christ and yielding to what God instructs them to do, they're going to be loving you even as Christ loved the church. So then you have your part. And it's that submitting yourselves unto your husbands, even unto the Lord. And this isn't a, um, an equality thing. This isn't an equality thing that I'm talking about. I'm just simply talking about the way that God ordained that relationship. Children, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Are you obeying your parents? Are you being obedient to them? If you're doing it, the God of peace shall be with you. That's a promise that we have from the Scriptures through the Lord Jesus Christ writing through the Apostle Paul. And servants. These the servants today is just employees. Uh, look at verse 5 and 6 in Ephesians chapter 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So employees, servants, are you being obedient to your bosses that are above you? Are you doing their requests? Are you, are you performing your job not with eye service? Meaning not when they're looking, you're just doing it. But you're doing your job as if you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We all have that higher calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if people were truly living out the, the will of God today and doing those things that we're instructed to do, man, I think there'd be a lot more people that would be turned on to wanting to listen and hear the Word of God and studying what it has to do for their lives because they can look now at the saints and the faithful, seeing how they live their lives, and they're going to say, man, that's amazing. What's going on there? I want to learn more about their God. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Got a couple more verses and we'll wrap that up. Colossians chapter 3. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And that last but not least, well, we got two more. Let me double check here. Getting ahead of myself. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 12, verse 19. 
Mm, that might be the wrong scripture verse. I'm going to read it. I've got the scripture verse, and it's very important. Uh, and I'll have to go back and find it. But the scripture verse is this. It's in Corinthians. Paul writes again, Think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. And this is the question i got to ask you. When you're dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ, are you doing all of the things that the way you're interacting, speaking to them, are you doing it for their edification to build them up or are you just tearing them down? Because I'll tell you what, I see a lot of people tearing down a lot of people when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ. And I tell you what, I could just imagine seeing Satan sitting in the corner just going like this. Because it just works so much for him. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And we'll close with this brotherly love. First Corinthians chapter or First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. In verse nine through eleven. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. Now, Paul's talking to the Thessalonians. I'm thinking that for today, I think Paul needs to write this to everybody, and we'll keep reading. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. More in what? Brotherly love. And that you study to be quiet, and you do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So, brotherly love is something that we should be doing, and increasing more and more. And you want to know about brotherly love, just go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read it over and over and over, and read about charity and what that is all about. So we talked about a lot of things. Today, we talked about God is not the God of Israel today. He's the God of peace. That's one of the names that he carries. The Lord Jesus Christ is another name that wasn't given until after he was resurrected. If you go and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus Christ was just Jesus Christ. When you get to Acts after it, Peter tells us in Acts 2 that God made him both Lord and Christ. And so when you get to Acts 16.31, and Paul's dealing with the Philippian jailer, and this is it. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. The Philippian jailer tells Paul, what should I do to be saved? What should I do? Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. See the name, Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So if you haven't trusted in the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the grace of God, and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, I encourage you to do that today. You don't need to go to an altar. You don't need to give all your money. You can't repent. All you got to do is just simply believe and trust that His grace is sufficient for you. 
And then you got to get in Paul's 13 epistles and study those things so that you can hear, learn, receive, and then do these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God of peace. We thank you for your grace and peace, your attitude towards the world today, and that we are delivered, we are saved from the wrath to come. We pray for those who are tuning in online, God, that they put their trust in you, that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, and that, God, that there would be stirred up a hunger and a passion in their hearts now to dive in the Word, to study it, to prove themselves to you, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And receiving and learning and hearing and doing those things that your servant Paul did, even as he is of Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.